Wendell Saylor is one of those. Not a bad rugby player either. Regan and Saylor. Lovely running by Saylor and what a step. He'll get his try here. Big Wendell. Yes. That's a brilliant try to Saylor. And some consolation pickings for the Wallabies. Great to have you back on board, my boy. How's your lockdown? Mate, it hasn't been too bad uh, here in Australia. Um, you know, obviously, like everyone, you know, some people can't don't get to work. But I, um, for me, personally, I'm not calling the footy at the moment. But I have a Saturday show, thank God for radio. Uh, I get to do it on a Saturday morning, um, Dead Set Legends. So it's a couple of hours there. But been able to play golf two, three times a week. And, um, you know, uh, two to a group and, and just spend time with the family still. So it's been okay. Let's talk rugby league then because it is coming back. It's coming back on May the 28th. Fingers crossed, supposedly so. Yeah. So many issues that have bubbled away because it's made news right throughout this COVID thing. I mean, it's been the one sport dominating headlines over here. Anti-vaxxers for a starter, mate. What's your what's your thoughts on it? Look, uh, look for me, I, look, I think it's a personal choice. Uh, and I understand with some of the players, it's about religion. And, you know, I read a bit about the Bryce Cutright thing where he had a bad reaction. That's only just come out. Look, I'm not sure if you had a bad reaction to it years ago, why you wouldn't say that at the start. Um, for me personally, if I'm a player... For the good of the code and stuff, I, w- I would have got the vaccine because just the ripple effect of people that it helps. But also, you know, I know people say no jab, no play. Well, I know that's a tough one, but if you have a belief, you've got to stick with it. But I think Bryce Cartwright's been a bit lucky. I think uh, the, the Queensland government giving him, giving him the OK and um, some people blowing up about it. For me, look, I don't mind too much because I don't know that much about it, but I just know from what the code's going through and the epidemic that we're going through now, uh, I'd certainly get the jab. Wendell, you've been through the personal side of this as well, though, mate, and you know more and better than most people that no one is bigger than the game. The game doesn't know you are living, and if you decide for whatever personal reason to do whatever but you don't want to comply, the game's going to go on regardless. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's the big thing, too. Like, um, you know, I think we've seen that in the, in the past with some of the players and some things that have happened. We've got, had a few young players in trouble, you know, Nathan Cleary and Tyrone May and um, it, some of those things, you know, Josh Adokar and Latrell Mitchell. Uh, but, you know, for me... Um, you know, this is obviously, we've never seen anything like this at the moment, but just to see how much it's halted the competition and halted, obviously, the workforce in and around not just Australia, but the world. Um, for me, sometimes you've got to do some things that you don't want to do, but if you believe in it, um, well, you've got to stick to that belief. Um, yeah, so it, it's just been, it's crazy times. Wendell Saylor, league legend, is with us. So many questions asked you. Two refs to one ref. Why now? I mean, was it, was it broken? Was it needing to be fixed? Oh, yeah, look, for me personally, I can understand them going back to one referee, but then if you're going to do that, you've got to do it in the off-season. So do it, you know, the off-season that we just had, or do it when this season finishes. You can't start a competition and then go, hey, you know what, let's change some rules. It's like playing backyard cricket and then, you know, or or playing some competition. I know this is not backyard cricket, but you can't just start a game and then change rules. It's it's, it's not right and and it's not fair on the fans and it's certainly not fair on the teams too because... You know, you coach a certain system for, you know, three, four months, but also over the last, you know, five, six years since we've had the two referees, you, you coach a certain style. Um, I feel for the refs a little bit in this. And, and unfortunately, you know, um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's not great for our code. Could it just, we're like, it's like we're firing from the hip. Well, what about another set of six then when you slow the play the ball and a deliberate penalty? I mean, it sounds all right, except if you're at your end, I mean, you're going to want to st- slow it down, stop it and take the kick, aren't you? Yeah, that's true, but look, uh, maybe that will help um, with more attacking play because 
Sometimes you can take the negative play and just take the two. But also, as a team, when you're defending now, I know the teams like the Melbourne Storm, the Roosters, you know, the real good teams, they back their defence, Parramatta, they back their defence in that zone. So maybe now, um, you know, the coaches will just go, listen, we're not going to hold down now, um, you know, and, and play a more positive attacking style of football. You mentioned Nathan Cleary before and Tyrone and Edo Carr and also Latrell. Yes. Wendell, where is that? Where's the middle ground? Because, you know, I, I look at these young guys and I know, and I we've all been young and we've all played up and all of that kind of stuff. There's gotta be there's gotta be somewhere between castigating them, making examples of them, killing careers and at the same time getting them to do I suppose just obey the normal simple rules that everyone has to obey. Where is it? Where's that middle ground? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Look, see my young blokes are the dragons now. And even like, uh, you know, Tristan, he's done a really good job because he's had uni, he's studying commerce at the moment. And I just, I worried about him when he was in isolation because not so much he'd, he'd do the wrong things because I think his dad did enough wrong things. But I just think, mate, you, you get set the guidelines what you can and can't do. But young blokes make make decisions, um, sometimes good and bad, which I've made some bad decisions. But look, I look at in the AFL, mate, the, the bloke was three times over the limit. He yeah, crashed four or five, crashed into four or five cars. One of the um, Western Bulldogs players, and then got one of the young players to pick him up. Um, you know, like well, mate, that's 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 illegal stuff, and that's that stuff where that spotlight should be on players who do that. But these young kids, these young blokes, they just did silly things. I, I, I think a fine is sufficient, but you know, we just keep grinding them into the ground, grinding, grinding, grinding. With Latrell and Josh Adekar, it was on Latrell's property, but the boys should have known better. You know, two international players, two, you know. Two origin uh, stars and you know two high-profile players of our game should have known better. How much has it changed since you were playing? The personal responsibility oh. that, that you that you have to the game itself as as well as yourself. Well, you know, like you know, blokes like myself and Lottie, and you know, a few of us we we, we enjoyed uh, the game, but we enjoyed off the field. I said to I said to the guys on radio a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't play uh, in this day and age. The social media, you know, myself and Andrew Johns joke about it all the time. It's just you scrutinise. I know you get the big money, and look, and I'm happy for the players to get the big money, but the scrutiny that comes with it now, um, you know, it's just, it's next level. And, and I know the players get educated because I know my young bloke comes home and says, oh, the federal police have spoken to us about this, and then we've had, like, uh, the, the big, uh, you know, Australian federal police talk about this and that, and, you know, so they get all the education, but it's how you, how you uh, take it in and what you do with it. And, and I'll be honest, I, I was a player that just, I, I just loved life. And sometimes it got you into trouble. And uh, But in this day and age, um, especially with the media, we got a job to do. But I just feel sometimes in rugby league, um, you know, we just, as soon as there's a bad story um, about rugby league or anything in and around the game, mate, we just, we're happy to just put it straight out there, you know, and sort of, you know, put it out there and then deal with it later. Wendell Saylor is with us, a champion player, both codes. When I say that, do you consider yourself a leaguey more than a rugby player? Because I think for most of us, that's how we look at you. No, I consider myself a dual international. It, it, it wasn't easy to go from being, you know, a three-time premiership player to rugby, from rugby league after nine seasons to go to rugby union, which I enjoyed. I had five years in rugby and I played 37 tests. And for me, even though, you know, uh, the adversity that I went through, mate, I still do. I go to the Hong Kong, you know, sevens and I go and, you know, I go and play in the tens and, and I, I still do things in around the classic wallabies because both codes are giving me so much. So for me now is to give back, but also to enjoy. I think we went to, um, last year, went to um, 
um, one of the luncheons, and then there was Todd Okefu, Joe Roth on my table, Lottie Dekiri, um Drew Mitchell, and it was just good because sometimes we don't do that enough, I think, as in ex-players. We're happy for the current players and the current squads, whether it's the Wallabies or the All Blacks or whatever Queensland, to do their thing, but you never forget the past. Remember a couple of years ago, I was in Hong Kong, Michael Jones was there, and I was like... Mate, I'd only ever seen Michael Jones play, and I was like a little fanboy, and he was he's such a humble bloke. And I said, Michael, do you mind if I get a photo? And then he just sort of said, oh, mate, I've loved your career, love watching you. So for me, I love the I love the connection between just two codes, but also, mate, Michael Jones, you know, he's a living legend. Oh, like, I just couldn't love believe him. Yeah. You know, and, he, and to be honest, that was one of the reasons why I switched to Rugby Union, because watching those All Blacks teams, you know, Jonah, Zinzan Brook, you know, um, Walter Little, all these players, John Kerwin, you know, no disrespect to the Wallabies, Campisi and the Ellers and that, but that was one of the reasons why I wanted to play the All Blacks, because of these guys, and I got to play against your Richie McCaws, your Dan Carters, your Jonas and all these guys, because uh, of the, the past and the culture that they've presented. You know, when you look back at the at your at your career, like playing against the All Blacks and things, what was the thing that stood out to you when you first stood there and watched them from the other side of the chalk and thinking, you know, like everything you've heard about them and that? What did you feel, mate? It was so. I know that word get used gets used a lot, but it was like slow motion. It was surreal because I remember when the Harker used to be sort of done, uh, whether it was rugby league or whether it was rugby union, mate. I'd be with my dad because my dad passed away in two thousand and one. The year, the year that, at the end of the year that I switched to rugby union, and my dad passed away. But I remember I used to sit with my dad and watch the Harka and just respect it for what it is. And that's why I reckon we've always had a good bond, uh, the Kiwis and the Aussies. Um, you know, we all like to gang up on the on the Pommies. But I think for me, it was just like I was like, they're doing the Harka. I've grown up watching this, and then you know I'm going to have to play against these guys. Well, you weren't scared, but you respected the passion and the pride that it brought to that jersey. You know, I remember when Willie Mason, a good mate of mine, you know, I don't think he was trying to disrespect the uh, uh, the Kiwi jersey, but I think he saw one of the Australian players who had switched to uh, the Kiwis and he was doing the harker and he just, I think he had part, part of Australia. I don't know whether it was... Um, it was a Torres Islander. It was, it was a, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was a guy from the Torres Island. Um, yeah. Uh, so who was there? I'm trying to think anyway. I know who it is. I know who it is. Like, it begins with B. Little guy. Oh, yeah, is it Brent Webb? Brent Webb. Damn, look at us, mate. With the help. That's brilliant. Look at those two brains combining like that, Wendell. How good is that, mate? mate? That's what I'm saying. That's what we combine so well. That's what, like, Willie, look, Willie, Willie respects it, too, because obviously with his background as well. And But I think because when Willie was laughing, I think a lot of the players took it as he was being disrespectful to the Harker. Because I said to him, I said, mate, what were you thinking? He goes, mate, I wasn't actually disrespectful. I said, but the way it was done, the way it was cut, looked like you were. And him and David Kidwell, mate, that's one for the ages, that oh, yeah. collision. And then, mm. you know... Kenny, he could hit too, but um, yeah. So it was everything that it is, and even now, you know, I watch the I watch the sevens, the men's and the women's. They're doing well, obviously, in New Zealand, and it's just it, it's part of a culture that I think it was an island that was blowing up a couple of years ago in the World Cup, saying, "Oh, they shouldn't be allowed to do the haka." Oh, please, come on! This is oh, some journal was saying they shouldn't be allowed to. You got to understand what those uh, you know what the cultural um, mm. you know mm. significance of it is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I love it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Look, hold the line, Wendell. I've got a couple more questions for you, and thank you so much for all of this time. We'll go to the break, spend a few more minutes with you, and can tell you people after two o'clock. Greg Martin joining us as he always does. Plus, we're going to look back 25 years ago this week. We won the America's Cup. 
Call 0800 80 1080. It's the Devlin Radio Show with Forklift Solutions, the leading specialist for all material handling needs on News Talk ZB. Fast approaching 21 to the hour. He's irrepressible, Wendell, isn't he? I think that word was invented for him. Back with Dale Boy in just a second. Anyway, I'm a bit disappointed with you not backing playing sport and, and Devlin. You know, Devlin lost, I won't say his manhood, but when he went to Auckland, he started being an Aucklander. You know, he was wearing dress shoes with no socks, little shorts, tight T-shirt, and he probably had a shoulder bag, and he just he just went a bit soft, I reckon. DRS. Oh, he said it was True Saturday. Uh, 16th of May it is. Wendell, i got to ask you this, and you know the question's coming. When you got caught for the cocaine, you hit rock bottom, questioning, I suppose, everything about yourself. How did you pick yourself up from that? How did you... How did you regain your confidence and your self-worth? Oh, look, I think for me, I think it was something in my career that probably that was going to happen for a long time. Just because I've been in trouble for little things like, you know, getting on a piss before a game and then, like, just, just grabbing a fine um, and then, like, getting a one-game suspension. So you keep doing little things. And then, and then I obviously moved to Sydney. And Sydney, I sort of came to Sydney for the Waratahs. And then I got in trouble once or twice again. But then when I come back and play, I'd score two tries and have a pretty you know, solid performance, and then you, you start to think, not that you're above above the game or above the law, and then sometimes you just, put, football wasn't a priority for me, so for me, being out and about, being an A-list, being well-known here and there, and, you know, being at nightclubs and bars with people who, who didn't really care about me, the person, but who were happy to hang with me, and let me tell you, those people leave you quite quickly when you go through some adversity oh, and you yeah. get yourself into trouble. Oh, yeah, mate. Oh, yeah. But, but I think, importantly, as I say to people, you've got to own your problems and your issues. And for me, for a long time, I didn't deal with a lot of things, whether it was my dad passing away five years earlier. Um, you know, people were around me. People weren't telling me, so, hey, mate, you need to pull your head in. I mean, I should have known anyway. But when you hit rock bottom, your family and your friends, that's when you find out who, the, who your real friends are. So when I came back to, to sport and got the opportunity to play... Um, for me, I understood how lucky I was to be involved, not just in rugby union, but in rugby league. So, and I say to people, the Wallabies never, or the AAU or the Wallabies never did anything wrong by me. I didn't respect the code enough to do the right thing, so I deserved my two-year suspension. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I'd come back and be the person that I am now. A couple more questions, we'll let you go, and we thank you so much yeah, for your time. So, look, the physical, the physical side of it, going from bashing your body around like that, that two years is a hell of a long time, mate. I mean, you know, just getting ready for that, how, 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 yeah. how difficult was it? Well, no, I had a lot of good friends around, as I said. So I used to play a lot of Oztag, a lot of beach, uh, like beach touch and stuff, like Freddie Fittler, Luke Rickardson and these guys. They lived around the eastern suburbs, so they go, hey, big man, we've got a, we've got a touch game on, playing our team. So I, I played through the winter. So you get yourself sort of not as fit as you can be, but just uh, those competitive juices flowing. And then when it got closer to like sort of eight, nine months, and then I stepped it up. And then and then I realised when I was coming back, I was going, bloody hell, I'm going to be playing against Sonny Bill Williams, Israel Folau, Inglis, Thurston. These guys are the next generation. Billy Slater, you know. Guys, you know, you, you, you had these players there. So I thought, you know, big Manu Vatavai. I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? And then I understood what it took because then I, I hired a trainer, started doing sand hills, started doing like one-on-one weight sessions. So I actually had to individually train because I couldn't train with the team beforehand. So when the Dragons called about two months, they couldn't sign me. They said, listen, mate, we'd love you to come through the Dragons. Mate, the boys want to play with you. What do you think? And for me, it wasn't about the money, but it was about the chance to come back and finish on my terms and for my family and everything that they've done for me. 
because at the time I had two young kids and they went through a lot too. You know, my wife certainly, um, she carried the can for a long time. Peter Volandis, he's been good for the game in your opinion. I like I like his, his positivity, his enthusiasm. I think some of us, his ideas are a bit weird, but the hell, the th- you know, the guy's doing what he's paid to do, isn't he? Mate, he's a straight shooter. You know, no disrespect to Todd Greenberg. I like Todd. I like Todd as a bloke. I've done stuff in and around the community with him and corporate stuff. I always love Todd. It's a tough job, especially with the media scrutiny that we have in and around our game in Australia and obviously New Zealand sometimes. But I just think Peter Volandis, he's a breath of fresh air. You know, we've had John Grant, we've had Peter Beattie in that role. And, you know, sometimes those blokes didn't do the right things. It's a tough job. But Peter Blanding has come in and he hasn't just knocked down the doors. He's, he's, he's bashed down the doors. And I've got to give, you know, full compliments to, uh, you know, like the Warriors, to leave home, to set up camp in Tamworth, to leave your families. I reckon that's the biggest, that's the biggest tick in all this is... You know, teams that have to do that, but also what the Warriors have had to do. But also, Peter Volandi's making sure, because I don't think Todd Greenberg was sort of... Um, I don't think he was up front with what the Warriors had to do. So they were just waiting, oh, what are we doing? We're keen, but you've got to give us some more. And Peter Volandi goes, OK, this is what we're doing. We're going to get you guys here, whatever you need. And hopefully, we can do something where you get the families. Because I don't want the boys to be in isolation for uh, whatever, over here for like three, four months, and then not see their families. Because that'll be hard. Because I know we're all big on family, uh, and especially the New Zealand boys. I know how close uh, you know they are with their families, especially as some uh, some young ones. Young Paddy Herbert, he was here at the Dragons. I know he's had a little one just recently. So yeah, how 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 much are you looking forward to this, mate? Coming back? Oh man, I can't wait. This is you know like it's like it's um, it's like a, I feel like a little kid at Christmas, you know, and you know the presents are under the table, and you wanna you know you wanna unwrap them because even the last couple of weeks. We've started to um, do a few retro games. And so now I sit down and I watch a few games. I can see light at the end of the tunnel. I'm excited for the players. I know my son's excited. I just He just went to training just before. And uh, I, I, can, I can feel the excitement in the air for him. Even though there's no reserve grade, he's in that first grade squad. So I can see, I can understand where players are coming from. Now they've got a due date where, where they're going to go. If it doesn't start on that date, it'll sure enough start in those seven days, you know, to and from. Yeah. Call Devlin. Oh, yeah, Devlin. 0800 80 1080. Oh, I see what you mean. Now, the DRS on News Talk ZB. Text line going absolutely berserk at the moment. People just got such great things to say about him. I said irrepressible. Honestly, you. I mean, he's worse than you, Davis. I mean, you never get a word in sideways, do you? But the thing, he is just so much fun. And you can gather that from chatting to him there. That's, yeah, what you see is what you get. I, I just love the bloke. And I love the fact he's such a stand up guy.